0: Today I'm super excited to bring you the message as we continue, I think we get just a couple more weeks in the book of Mark and then we will uh, move on and uh, start another series. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to Mark chapter number two, Mark chapter number two, or you can follow along on the screens if you don't have the Bible with you this morning. Um, How many of you, you're enjoying this uh, fall? I guess it's fall weather, right? (laughs) Indiana. Um, It always seems to get you, always seems to get you, right? Uh, Just as soon as you ladies got your pumpkin spice lattes, uh, it is uh, time to get back out the bathing suit, I guess. I don't know what's going on. So Mark chapter number two, and we've been going, like I said, through the book of Mark and talking about the word immediate. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. One of my favorite in the whole world. There's so much in here for the next two weeks. Actually, we'll unpack Mark chapter two. I'm just going to read to you the account that Mark reads here. It's talking about Jesus. And he says this. When he, Jesus, entered Capernaum again after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was speaking the word to them. They came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring them to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Then in the next couple verses, we realize that the Pharisees, or the religious crowd... And then also some other people had gathered so much that they literally couldn't get the paralytic man into the room. He's now being judged by speculative eyes and accusatory hearts. The religious people are going, I don't know if we really like this guy saying, your sins are forgiven. In verse number 10, Jesus, seeing their speculative eyes and accusatory hearts, says this. But so that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins he told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, which is exactly what Denise did when we got married, and go home. Immediately, he got up, took the mat, and went, you're not going to be able to read that the same, are you? And went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God. Saying, we have never seen anything like this before. I want to start with this main thought. And we'll come back to it repeatedly as we unpack this story. We say around here, life is messy. Everyone is welcome. And anything is possible. God desires your freedom More than he desires your comfort. We'll unpack that. That may mean something to you here in the beginning, but if you can keep that phrase in mind that God desires your freedom more than he desires your comfort. At the end of the story, we see Jesus telling the paralytic man to get up, take his mat and go home. What I love about the first part of the passage is you see these four people that are bringing this man that's in need of help. He's a paralytic. Arms and legs are not working and we don't know from the scripture exactly how that happened. It may have been from at birth. It may have been something that happened tragically to him when he was young or maybe when he was older. But this man could not walk. He could not use his limbs and these men or men and women, four people, see that their friend, the only way he was going to be healed is if they could get him to this man they had heard so much about. His name was Jesus and he had been healing people and helping people and they knew if they could get him to Jesus, all would be fixed. So their faith, their belief, their confidence in God moved them to action. And they brought this paralytic man to the house where they heard Jesus was going to be. But when they arrive, it is packed. There's no way they can get him to Jesus. And so they find a way, dig through the roof and lower this paralytic man down to Jesus. And Jesus doesn't heal him right away. He looks at the faith of the four people. I always pictured him for whatever reason looking at the four men like horizontally, but they had just lowered him down. So Jesus is looking up through the roof. He sees these four people seeing their faith. He says to the paralytic man, your sins are forgiven. Now the only one to have the power to forgive sins is God himself. And so the religious crowd... Hearing Jesus say, your sins are forgiven, they start thinking, well, if he has the power to do this and he's claiming that he's the Messiah, this takes the attention off of us and puts it on him. We don't like that. And so they start looking at him with speculative eyes and accusatory hearts and hate started to build up. Jesus, because he's God, knowing their hearts, looks back at them and says, to show you that I am the Messiah. To show you that I am God, I'm going to use a physical miracle to show what was happening on the inside or what had just happened on the inside of this man. And so when he forgives his sin and then later heals him, the Bible says, and Mark writes, that immediately he gets up, takes up his bed or takes up his mat and walks I don't know how many of you in here need to hear this morning. Jesus say, son, daughter, husband, wife, man, woman, your sins are forgiven. Depending upon your church background, your sins being forgiven and salvation may mean that one day you prayed a prayer and God forgave you of your sins and then you moved on and you may even be familiar with the passage where Paul writes, Behold, all things are become as new, old things are passed away. And if you're like me, you get frustrated with Paul because you go, if my sins are forgiven and all things are become as new and old things are passed away, then how come I keep on staying in my sin? And every time I try to get away from my sin, I still am sitting in my identity of who and what I have done in my past. And although you may be able to remember a time, or maybe for some of you, you don't remember this time, but for some of you, maybe you do, that there was a time you came to Jesus and you said, I need forgiveness of my sins. And can I tell you that in your heart, just like the paralytic man was able to walk immediately inside his heart, he was clean immediately and his sins were forgiven past, present, and future. Wiped clean, new slate. Yeah, that's awesome. Jesus says to you this morning, once again, I'll say the main thought and we'll continue to unpack this, that your comfort is less important than your freedom. We say if life is messy then we are all in need of forgiveness. I think sometimes that phrase, life is messy, can become convoluted when we think that life is messy, meaning, which it does mean this, that mistakes happen, or life can get hard, or unexpected turns, or someone can hurt you. And although that is true, life is messy, Most of the time because we mess things up because we have a sinful nature. It's not just mistakes. It's not just someone messed up balancing the checkbook and we thought we had more money than we did and now we can't pay a bill and we have to put it on the credit card. Although that could be also in life is messy, that's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about the fact that all of us from the day one that we are born, we are broken inside and in need of forgiveness and in need of a savior. There's a level playing field. And for the religious, sometimes we wish it wasn't. And for the broken, we need to hear this this morning, that we're all on the same level playing field, no matter what sins you've committed, no matter how big of a sin or little of a sin, we are all in need of Jesus's gift of eternal life and what he did on the cross for us. And we are all in need of forgiveness. forgiveness. Here's what's awesome about the forgiveness that Jesus wants to give you. Whether you are accepting that forgiveness for the very first time or you are in need of forgiveness for what you've done, maybe even this week, Jesus offers immediate forgiveness. Can I tell you, as long as I'm a pastor here at Hamilton Hills, Hamilton Hills will never be a museum for saints, but it will be a hospital for sinners. If life is messy, doesn't apply to you, we're probably not going to be the place for you. If you're here today and you think, I'm not in need of forgiveness, I don't know if you'll fit. That's why I fit here, because I'm in need of forgiveness, just like all of us in here are in need of forgiveness, just like the people that were at the first service, which by the way, you are so much better than the people of the first service. You could yeah, give yourself a hand. Jen wanted to clap, give yourself a hand for that. That's prideful in sin. <laughs> What's incredible is I think about this paralytic man, so often we focus on the physical miracle because it's what we can see on the outside with our own eyes. But in his heart where he could not have the power to love like Christ, live like Christ, walk away from sin be pure now with immediate forgiveness. He could walk away with a forgiven heart and like the song that we sang, a clean slate and the ability and the power to live a life free of sin. You can imagine the paralytic man as he's being brought to Jesus had these thoughts. Maybe he thought to himself, Jesus doesn't have time for me. How would he have time? Look at the crowd. Can I tell you this morning, if the enemy is telling you that Jesus doesn't have time for you, he doesn't have time to forgive you, doesn't time have time to care about you, can I tell you that Jesus created time? He's sovereign over time, he's in control of time. There's nothing that has happened in your life that surprises him. All he asks is for your faith. Maybe he thought to himself, I know I've heard about Jesus having the power to heal but will he really have the power to heal? Can I tell you that if you're hearing that this morning, no matter what you've done no how matter deep the secret that you hold no matter how deep the sin that you have in your life Jesus offers the same forgiveness to you that he offers to everyone and your sin no matter how deep no matter how big nor how many many can be completely and will be completely forgiven it is offered to you this morning you say why would Jesus care about me even though In our hearts, we have rebelled against him. Can I tell you that he tells you to cast all your care on him because he cares for you. Whether or not you ever reciprocate the caring or the love back, he still offers his love and he still offers his care. Maybe you think, I've never done anything for Jesus. I have nothing good to offer him. Can I tell you this morning that the word of God says that all have sinned and all have come short of the glory of God. There is no one that is righteous. Not even one of us is deserving of the love of God, but he still offers it to you no matter how much you have done or how much you will do for him his grace and love come as a gift with no strings attached if you're thinking those things can I tell you a phrase that we've had on repeat over the last couple of months that the only weapon the enemy has is a lie a lot of times we give Satan credit for things that he probably shouldn't get credit for. But one thing that he's really good at is lying. One thing that he's really good at is deception. The Bible says that and our hearts are deceitful and desperately wicked. That's why every time I'm, I watch a television, show, just, just follow your heart. No, don't do that. Not only are we good at deceiving ourselves, the enemy on top of that is the best deceiver of all time. And he's been around for a long time and he's been doing it a long time. You say, well, I'm not deceived by the enemy. Do you know what the definition of deceived is? Deceived people don't go around saying, I've been deceived. They literally think that what they're thinking is truth while they're deceived. Deceived. So, right now, when you're going, I know, all those people that believe differently than me politically are deceived. (laughs) Oh, I'm the one that's right. Oh, do you believe that in your heart? The one that's deceitful above all and desperately wicked? (laughs) How quickly we get angry when we think we're right, and how easily we are deceived. The good thing is, as Pastor Randall preached last week, we have the truth. The truth, especially in the United States of America, there's a Bible everywhere. I probably have way too many of them in my house. We have the truth. We don't need to be deceived. And if the only weapon the enemy has is a lie, Sometimes that lie, and many times I should say that lie comes in the way of freedom underneath comfort. We believe that comfort is freedom. How many times have I thought to myself, man, I really like meeting in person with no amount of persecution on the church. Freedom, by the way, I'm thankful for it. But let's not deceive ourselves that there may come a day when the most freedom in Christ that we'll experience is under persecution and not freedom from the entities that hold whether or not we can meet in person or not. Comfort does not equal freedom. And God desires in your life freedom more than he desires you and I to be comfortable. I thought of the best way that I could illustrate this and I'll unpack the rest of the message with this phrase. Something interesting happens in the story If you'll throw up that verse number 10, I think you may have to go back a little bit, Sandy. Verse number 10 says this, but so that you may know, this is Jesus speaking to the religious crowd, that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and what? Go home. We believe that Jesus has the power to forgive bitterness. And when something happens in our life that causes us to be bitter, we know that Jesus forgives that sin. And oftentimes, hopefully we live into that forgiveness and we say, Jesus, forgive me of my bitterness. And thank Jesus, thank God, that when we ask for forgiveness, we're immediately forgiven. And we don't have to hold it anymore. Maybe it's doubt. God forgives us for our doubt. And our lack of faith in him. And when we have doubt creep up. We ask for forgiveness. And Jesus. Thank God. Immediately forgives us. Of our doubt. And it releases. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's being drunk. Or here's a good one, right? Discontentment. Whenever we're discontent and we're not thankful, that happens a lot in my life. I'll go ahead and hold this one up. I'm so glad that God forgives not being content. And we lay it down and immediately forgives it. Worry, lying. Maybe you're known as someone that doesn't tell the truth and Thank God, God forgives lying and a broken marriage, broken relationships, being unfaithful. God forgives that. Maybe you've abused someone or been angry with someone or hated them in your heart. God forgives all of those things, and I'm so glad that he does, and we can release it and not have it on us, and it's gone, but here is what Jesus tells the paralytic man is he says I tell you take up your mat and go home walk away from your old identity so many of you may have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and you've asked him for a relationship and now you have a relationship with God, but you're still sitting in your old identity because it is what is comfortable. It's who I am. I love all those uh, like disc profile and Enneagram, but if I have to hear one more time, this is who I am. I'm just a person that needs control because I'm an eight. Can I tell you that God is not asking you to sit in your identity that was given to you at birth through our sin nature. He's asking you to lay down your sin, lay down your identity, take up your bed and walk. Get away from your sin. But then we sit around and then we go, oh man, that's just what I'm comfortable in. I don't know how to operate. Think about this for a second. The paralytic man, more than likely for many, many years, has not been able to use his legs or his arms. He was reliant on his friends. Husbands, have you ever been driving around? And then you and your wife switch, and you're in the city that you live in, and you're like, let's go to Kroger. And she goes, I don't know how to get there. Like, what do you mean you don't know how to get there? Just drive to, yeah. But I haven't been driving, so now I don't know. I don't know how to get to where some of you like giving me the evil stare. This went way better in the first service. There's tons of laughter. I may have said it different, okay? The paralytic man had to learn the city that he lived in because his friends were the ones carrying him around. No longer could he sit on this bed, this old bed of shame. And disgust, I would imagine this bed probably wasn't very clean, but it was comfortable because it's how he survived, it's how he begged. And got his income. But now he had to go out and work. Now he had to go out and learn the town. Now he couldn't just rely on his friends to bring him around. His life had to change. And I'm sure it wasn't comfortable. Was it awesome to be free in his new limbs. And free in his new arms. And be able to do things. Yes. But he had to take up his bed. And walk away from his old life. And start anew. And this is what the power of Jesus Christ brings. In the cross, we are forgiven immediately in our sins. But Jesus says, don't stay in your old identity. Don't stay around your old sins. Take up your bed. Walk away from your old identity. Walk away from that sin. Husband, father, maybe you are the result of a broken marriage. And you needed forgiveness. And God, by the way, gives you immediate forgiveness. But he says, don't stay in the identity of a broken husband. Don't stay in the identity of having shame. Jesus forgave you. Walk away from your sin. And just like he told the woman at the well, go and sin no more. But here's what happens. Just like the Israelites Freed from bondage, if you remember the story in Exodus. Woo! This is our homecoming. Wow, that sounded good. Man, they're all excited. Finally, we've been in bondage for hundreds of years. Moses comes along, the plagues take that Pharaoh, and we're walking out. Can you imagine the Israelites walking out of bondage? (laughs) Sorry, I don't do that in this era walks out of bondage. This is awesome. And then what happens? Things get uncomfortable. Then the battles come. Pastor Randall talked about it. You start doing things for God, guess what's coming? Temptation. Welcome to following Jesus. Isn't it great? Freedom, temptation, trials. Work, wilderness, loneliness. And they get to the Red Sea, it won't part. And the Bible says they start to mumble amongst each other and they go, Man, remember when we were in bondage? Pff, that was awesome. <laughs> remember when we were getting whipped and not paid for anything? And we had to build the Egyptians all of their things for free? Oh, it was so awesome being fed. You know, I look at them and go, "You're crazy. Why would you?" I mean, they literally started complaining amongst themselves, saying, "We want to go back to chains because it was more comfortable." And as crazy as that looks to us, we do the same thing when we go. Thank you, Jesus, for heaven. I'm gonna hold on to this one. This is comfortable. I'm Enneagram Six. Worry is what I do. It's who I am. And Jesus says, I immediately forgave you. I gave you the Holy Spirit inside of you so that you no longer have to be that person. That's God's part. Here's your part. Take up your bed and walk. You have to to walk away from your old identity. The temptation will still be there. The temptation to go back to comfort in what you knew, but can I tell you that your comfort is not worth the price of your freedom in Christ. Young man, young woman, that phone, the temptation, the pornography, Young lady, what Snapchat is telling you and Instagram is telling you to be in the image that you have to be and the look that you need to have is a lie from Satan. And it may be what you're most comfortable in because when you get those likes, it feels so good. When you get that message from that person, it feels so good. It gives you the validation. But can I tell you, it's bondage. It seems like comfort, but you're sacrificing your freedom. And just like if you were sitting in a prison with the gates wide open, we choose to sit in prison and in bondage while Jesus has, through his power, opened the gates for us to walk out, but we sit in it. Because it's what's most comfortable. I'm here to encourage you this morning that Jesus is offering you by the way no matter how many times you've chose to live in that identity and stay in that prison with the door wide open you don't need to feel shame about that walk out walk out the shame that you're feeling is you closing the door Jesus isn't closing the door he's not saying shame on you you're saying shame on you if you're feeling shame in your heart, can I encourage you this morning and tell you that is not from God. That is from the enemy. Yeah. There's some of you that here this morning that you need to be free from the bondage of shame because you keep on thinking that's who you are and Jesus has given you the power to release that and walk away from it. I don't care how many people tell you that's who you are. I don't care how many friends tell you that's who you are, that is not who you are. Start living in the power of Jesus's blood and what he did on the cross. There's some of us in here today that you're so close. You're so close to experiencing freedom. Husband, you're so close to experiencing freedom But you have to walk away from what's most comfortable. Heads bowed and eyes closed. In just a moment, we're gonna sing. And, and I'm gonna do something a little bit different. I'm not gonna ex- extend an invitation. I'm going to plead with you to come. And here's why. Because I believe there are some people in here that will not get freedom over what they need forgiveness for. They need four friends that Jesus sees their faith and they make the first move and they come forward and it frees the way for them to walk. I'm gonna be down here in just a moment at this altar and I'm gonna be praying because if life is messy, then all are in need of forgiveness and I'm in need of forgiveness. So, would you join me here in just a moment? But with, before we do that, heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to extend this invitation because I believe in a crowd this size, there could be several, could be one that has never accepted Jesus' forgiveness for all of your sins past, present, and future. You don't have a relationship with God, the Father. Can I tell you that 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus who was God and God's son came and lived a perfect life, took on all of the sin, the lying, the lust, the worry, the bitterness, the discontentment, anything that you ever done, took that on himself. And he offers to you this morning a free gift through his son, Jesus Christ. he bridged the gap that you and I couldn't 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 bridge there's not anything good that I could do in my life to be good enough to deserve a relationship with God I can't do it I've I've failed but Jesus took on all of that failure all of that sin when he died on the cross for you and me but here's the thing here's his part. Now here's your part. You have to accept that forgiveness. And if you've never done that this morning with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around, say, Pastor Matt, I've never done that before. Would you pray for me? I won't embarrass you. I will not call you out. I just want to pray for you. Would you just quickly slip up your hand so I can see it high enough so I can see it? Anybody like that in here this morning? I see one, see two. Anybody else? Anybody else in here? We had a man this morning that started a relationship with Jesus. And just about an hour ago, Jesus forgave his sins immediately. Past, present, and future. So right where you're sitting with still no one looking around, would you mean this in your heart if you truly want that forgiveness from God so you can have a relationship with him? Would you just pray something like this silently where you are? God, I know that I'm undeserving of a relationship with you. My life is messy. I've sinned. But today I accept your gift of eternal life because of you and what you did in my place. You paid for my sin on the cross and I accept that today with heads bowed and eyes still closed, if you prayed that or something like that in your heart, would you just quickly slip up your hand? Yeah, I see that, that's awesome, that's great. Would you do this with me, would you stand? I'm gonna ask you to join me at this altar. If you're uncomfortable with being close, Let's make sure we give each other proper distance and so we could even spread out all the way from this wall all the way around. Or maybe for you, if you're most comfortable, you sit at your seat and pray. But if life is truly messy, then we are all in need of forgiveness, a restart. Not for salvation, not for a relationship with God. Once we start that, that's forever. But some of us need to walk away. We need forgiveness for staying in our old identity. We need to be forgiven for living into our old sin nature and our old life.